The bad news from 49ers Raiders joint practices. Ray Ray McLeod is out with a broken wrist. What does that mean for the rest of the roster? Who has an opportunity now? Some rookies to make the squad. And Jimmy versus Purdy from practice. Previewing that Raiders 49ers week number one preseason. All that and more coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers. Your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, if you want to be an everyday or make sure you just subscribe up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers. Is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on. That's linkedin.com slash locked on to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. The, the big news of the day from uh, the San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan is that return man, wide receiver, Ray Ray McLeod, is out. He's going to be out for a while, Croc, into the regular season. Eight weeks or so is the initial prognosis uh, due to a broken wrist for Ray Ray McLeod. And I don't think it happened at the Raiders practice. It happened at the last practice, from what I understand. So eight weeks, that timetable puts you, you know, week three, week four, at least a couple of weeks, even in the best case scenario, if it's a six-week type of injury. Ray Ray McLeod is going to miss some time into the season, and he's your number one kick and punt returner, Croc, and the, uh, you know, the, the F receiver, that slot receiver for the san francisco 49ers he's going to be he's going to need to be replaced with somebody and i think there's a a lot of people vying for that spot that could you know have a new opportunity that they might not have had coming into training camp definitely you know first i want to focus on just kind of the importance of him you you talked about him as a return guy not only is he a 49ers number one kick returner number one punt returner but he's also a guy who is top three in the league in punt return average and also top 10 in the league in kickoff return average. So just from a special team standpoint, flipping field position or having that guy who you just know you could trust back there to catch punts, you know, that's that's big, kind of missing out on that guy. And then on top of that, what he does and how he contributes offensively. You know, he's coming off of a season where he only had 14 receptions, but he averaged his best yards per reception, which I believe was around 17 yards, far better than anything he's done previously. But he kind of just showed how they utilize him. It's a very specific role. He's not a guy that's going to be a high-volume guy. They also have Juwan Jennings, who is kind of your primary uh, big slot that you have there. But Ray Ray McLeod is a guy who – will come in and here and there he'll hit you with a little something or he'll have a 20-yard gain on a reception. Or you saw the end around that got the offense kind of going against the Washington Commanders, 75-yard touchdown that he took to the crib. And he also got his touchdown robbed by George Kittle in that game. So while he's not viewed as this must-need receiver, I think a lot of things that he does really plays into how Kyle Shanahan and the guys want to utilize him to where he is that active receiver on game day. And missing him for three to four weeks of the regular season, I think that would be tough. And, I, and I can, I'm excited to kind of talk through how they'll work on replacing that, whether it be one guy or two guys that combine to do what one Ray Ray McLeod did. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by Ray Ray McLeod last year. I didn't really think much of the signing when the 49ers brought him in. And, you know, I was like, ah, he's, you know, capable return guy and, you know, maybe a little slot, 
you know, catch some short passes and, and that'll be it. And he, he was much better as a receiver. And when I looked at his numbers, I thought there were more because of how big of plays it seemed like when he would catch the ball, it was a big play rather than, you know, just a, you know, a four yard West Welkery type of a catch. You know, he's a, it was a very different sort of a slot version of wide receiver than we saw with someone like uh, uh, Trent, um, who's a, uh, who's our guy from Louisiana tech. Uh, Trent. Yeah, yeah. Taylor. Trent Taylor, yeah, Trent Taylor, and so um, yeah, he was a pretty good return man too. And I was surprised to see how how he ranked in the league as a return guy. And just having knowing you have a veteran back there that can catch a punt and not give it back to the other team, that's huge. You know, that'll keep a, a special teams coordinator and a coach up uh, all night. Uh, so th- there's two aspects of his game that we have to talk about: the return game and the receiver game. I've got a, a dark horse that that I think is going to be have a huge opportunity now for the San Francisco 49ers and, and is that a nice little training camp and uh, factors into the return part of it. But let's talk wide receiver first, who replaces Ray Ray McLeod at wide receiver. And how do you think the 49ers play this with the 53 man roster? So I'm curious to see how they try to factor in this whole thing. There are a couple of veterans. If they choose to go that route, obviously there's the younger guys, right? With Danny, Danny Gray. You also have young Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell, he's been the guy who's done some kickoff return stuff. But here is kind of a curveball a little bit. I just pulled up the 49ers depth chart, and I know this is kind of from the PR department. The punt returner and kick returner that they have in place right now for Ray Ray McLeod. I'm going to let you guess. Who do you think it is? I'll give you one guess. It's, it's the same guy, punt return and kickoff return. Is it Deshaun Jameson? It is not Deshaun Jameson. They actually have Deshaun Jameson third. It's Willie Sneed. Sneed. So I did not think they'd go that direction. I'm curious to see if that is indeed the guy who they put back there. Because if so, that lets you know all you need to know right now. I mean, this is a guy who, as of late, has been coming on strong for the 49ers in practice. And when I say coming on strong, it's just making a few plays with the twos and the threes. And there are guys I feel like people want to kind of catapult to that type of role whether it's Danny Gray and I feel like lately he's been you know making some plays here and there you have Ronnie Bell he's done some things very well but going the veteran route is very interesting because Sneed or even a Conley are two guys who if they make this team from the initial cuts their contract is guaranteed for the rest of the year so let's say Ray Ray McLeod comes back and you want to make room for him by letting go a Sneed well, you let go of Sneed, whatever he signed to, which he's a veteran, I'd say his contract is what, probably a million dollar minimum. He's going to get that, whether you let him go or not. So it's it's interesting to see if they go that route. I would guess, if I had to guess, they're going to let go of both Conley and Sneed and see if one of those guys come back. The only thing that would kind of change that up is if Sneed is indeed the guy against the Raiders who takes the first team punt return action and kickoff return action, and then nobody beats him out for it. Yeah. So looking at the wide receiver part of it, Ray Ray's got to make the 53 to be put on whatever list he's going to be put on. And if it's only a couple of weeks, maybe he doesn't even go on a list because the injury happened during training camp. So the veteran nature of it, which it's so the 49ers, we were talking, you know, maybe the 49ers keep five wide receivers and not six. They got to keep six now. So who's that sixth guy going to be? Because Ray Ray has to has to make it first. Then you can bring back maybe one of the veteran players, like Chris Connolly or 
or Willie Sneed because it's not the same waiver situation as it is for a rookie like Ronnie Bell. I think this for sure, and like I don't want to say there's a winner throughout this because you know nobody wins because there was an injury to one of the players, but someone like Danny Gray, if his roster spot was ever in doubt, it's not anymore. You know what I mean? Um, and then someone like Ronnie Bell, he might have been someone that the 49ers were willing to let go through waivers and see if they could bring him back to the practice squad. Ronnie Bell might have an opportunity to return some kicks. And so we'll get some clues in these preseason games and and we'll get to see these guys and, and see who looks like the, the best returner. Ronnie Bell can can play other special teams as well, coverage units. So I think that bodes well for Ronnie Bell. They might not want to lose him. Uh, when when you you yeah you mentioned Juwan Jennings, he can play in the slot for you. So I think they can get by without Ray Ray McLeod, and maybe even do some dynamic things with Debo Samuel in the slot, and then have Danny Gray on the outside. Uh, that's what I would personally like to see. You know, um, more than anything, when in, w- instead of you know. On, on on when times when they wanted to put Ray Ray McLeod in the game, I would love to see Debo in the slot and Danny Gray, you know, with, at the X and, and Brandon Ayuk playing basically Debo's bot, spot at the Z. And uh, Brandon Ayuk was on the radio recently talking about you know how Debo and Ayuk know all the wide receiver spots and and how you know it's hard for a young player because you know maybe you will learn one spot and you got to learn multiple spots. I think Danny Gray is pretty much you know you know what kind of player he is. He's not going to be playing the F as much as some of the other guys do, but someone like Juwan Jennings needs to know all the all the positions, you know? So uh, I think they can do that, but I'm sure they're going to want a veteran presence in there. And if Willie Sneed, who's had a pretty good camp, is also the first man up a kick returner, that's probably a pretty good indication that he might have a lead on someone like Chris Conley for that spot. And I think possibly either one of those guys, though, would have to get cut first, but they could bring him right back. And especially if they have a handshake deal and they know that they're coming back. If you go back a few years, and I want to say this might be Kyle Shanahan's first year, there was a return guy who I, I don't think people were expecting this guy to make the team, a uh, young guy out of Oregon State, Victor Bolden. And he made his impact by cribbing a kickoff return in the preseason. And then he ended up ultimately being one of the guys that returned kicks for the San Francisco 49ers. So uh, there are some other guys that potentially can kind of change things up. You, you asked, well, when I asked, who do you think is number one in punt return and kick return? You said Deshaun Jameson. Yep. And that's an interesting name there because we're talking a lot about these receivers in different roles that they can play to, you know, kind of take over for what Ray Ray McLeod gives you. But if it is a Jameson, that kind of hurts the chances of guys like Willie Sneed or Conley or even Ronnie Bell and Danny Gray because now it's like, hey, well, we don't need all these receivers. Ray Ray McLeod will come back. We'll keep five of y'all and Jamison to be our return guy, and he'll kind of be the guy that sneaks up. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see. What does Jamison do in the return game because he can shake things up a little bit for these receivers? Okay, more on that, more on the return side of things. And I'm going to lay it out for you, Croc. In fact, I'm going to throw down. I, we just learned about this Ray Ray McLeod injury today. I'm going to tell you exactly how it's going to go with the final 53 next. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available it's the same for your small business like it is for the nfl and you might have need a new kick returner uh whatever your the kick return version is at your job you may you gotta make sure you have the right talent that's ready to take over that position that's why you need to check out linkedin jobs linkedin jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free 
All you do is you add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame to your own LinkedIn profile, and it spreads the word that you're hiring. And then simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. Deshaun Jameson. That, that's the guy. I think that is the real dark horse. Rick Torres got it in the, in the chat here. So... This is how I think it's going to go. And this will give the 49ers the best return coverage, the best special teams coverage, and give them the opportunity to have the best receiver group possible while Ray Ray McLeod is out. And then we'll see what else happens with injuries. And when Ray Ray comes back, there might need to be a, a there might be a little bit of a roster crunch. But I do think the 49ers keep six wide receivers now. And those wide receivers are going to be Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings, Ray Ray McLeod because he has to be on the roster to go onto IR, even if he's put on an IR list and they might put him on a list to come to return, you know, uh, what is or, it? or the pup too, right? Like he has to make uh, the initial 53 to, and to yeah, put him and, on the pup. And so come want that extra roster spot that puts him out for four weeks, I think. Right. Is that, is that what the rules are? They changed the rules and I'm and now I'm not as keen on the rules as I used to be, but I believe you have to put him on the list and then four weeks is the minimum. They would be out, uh, and, you know, and eight weeks kind of lines up with that anyway. Um, and then, and, and Danny Gray, and so that's five, right? So who would the sixth be? I think maybe you don't want to lose a rookie like Ronnie Bell now. If he gives you an opportunity, if he shows you he can play some special teams. So there's your sixth guy. He makes the 53-man roster. Then you put McLeod on the, whatever it is, the pup, the the IR list, and then you bring back Willie Sneed. So now you've got coverage with a veteran player, and you've got the rookie Ronnie Bell, and then you let everything play out for the first few weeks while Ray Ray McLeod gets ready. You know, while you're going through those numbers, and I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, like, how would that affect other things? And, you know, you talk about Ray Ray McLeod. Eventually, he's going to have to come back. How will that kind of mess with the numbers a little bit? Where the 49ers kind of went wrong. I mean, I know we're going to talk a lot about the quarterback position. But signing Sam Darnold, having Trey Lance, keeping those guys to where now you have three guys, where some teams have two. The 49ers probably would have been better suited having two guys and then a maybe a rookie that could fly under the radar that you could stash on practice squad. That would help with your numbers at the receiver position. Yeah. But I know that the injuries that they had is like, hey, we, we can't risk that. And I understand that. But now you're going to lose a guy at the receiver position and it hurts. Injuries happen. This won't be the last injury that the 49ers have. It very well not be might not be the last injury that they have at the receiver position. And because you have that extra quarterback, it's kind of going to throw some things off just a little bit. And I think the 49ers would prefer to have someone like Conley or Willie Sneed not make the initial 53. So their roster, their, their contract isn't guaranteed. Now they're making minimum anyway, so it's, it's not a big deal. But then you can bring him back. And then someone like Willie Sneed, he did it last year, went back and forth from the practice squad. They could put him back on the practice squad when Ray, when Ray, Ray McLeod comes back. So I think that's likely the way the 49ers play it, if I had to guess now. And you have someone else like T. Martin as well, or uh, Tay Martin, excuse me, that makes the practice squad um, along with those guys. Um, Deshaun Jameson, though, I, I think he's probably, just judging by his college tape, and we'll get to see it in the preseason games, I think Deshaun Jameson might be the, 
most talented return guy of the entire group. I, I'm, I'm sure we'll see Snead. I'm sure we see Ronnie Bell. And I think we'll see Jameson as well, all returning uh, punts and kicks during the preseason. So that'll be fun. But if Deshaun Jameson looks like the best return man, and he's really he's really shown out in as a cornerback as well at training camp, he might be the dark horse player that we weren't really talking about that much. You know, we did a little review of him as a, as a player, as an undrafted free agent, but I didn't, I didn't think he had a great shot at making the final 53 Durrell Luter still hurt right on the pup list. Um, would they, would that be the tiebreaker to keep Deshaun Jameson because of his return value? If he's the best return man left over say Ambry Thomas, if that's the battle. So I think there's a good chance that Deshaun Jameson, if he can keep playing well at corner and prove that he has value to be on the roster as a cornerback, and then he's also uh, more of a dynamic return man than maybe Ronnie Bell or Willie Sneed are, he's my dark horse to make the final 53, a, guy's, a guy that we didn't really project to be there when this whole thing started. I think he's already proven to have some sort of value at the cornerback position. Now it's just, can you have enough value to unseat a guy like Ambry Thomas to where it's like, all right, yeah, we drafted Ambry Thomas in the third round a couple of years ago. I haven't cared as much, you know, with what we've seen as of late. And if we can keep a guy who's also going to be a return man in Jameson, that's where it's like, all right, you know, sorry, Ambry, we like you. Maybe we'll bring you back on practice squad if you clear waivers. Another interception thrown by Brock Purdy at practice, uh, Croc, on what day? I don't even know what day of the week it is. Is it Thursday? Yeah, Thursday practice. Thursday practice. Brock Purdy throws an interception, and by most reports, Jimmy G was the better-looking quarterback going against the more difficult defense. Now, it's a defense that Jimmy's gone against a lot in in practices over the course of the years. Um, but Brock Purdy throwing another interception, and if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, he tried to throw that deep out. It's a throw that we had talked about. It's like, man, that's that's kind of one of the throws, one of the difficult throws. He made one deep out throw, got picked off on another one. Um, not it's i'm not i don't want to talk so much about you know one practice and you know it's such a small sample and you know purdy's bad now we just had a podcast yesterday talking about you know purdy and his superpower and, and why the team likes him so much but at some point during this preseason it's just another indicator like purdy needs to play a little bit knock off this rust and 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 play play more similar to the guy we saw last year but we've seen jimmy garoppolo throw a bunch of picks when he was with the 49ers throwing picks with in raiders practices Throwing some interceptions in training camp is, is really not a big deal either. But, I mean, of course, it's going to make headlines when Jimmy G has a nice day against his old team. I think the bigger issue is kind of like why he's doing this. We, we talked about some of the things we'd be looking forward to hearing about from uh, the training camp practices. And I said, you know, I want, I, want, I want Brock Purdy to just take care of the ball a little bit better. And then the first thing he does is try to throw a deep out and he throws a pick six. It wasn't one of those things where – man, I got, I got caught with this linebacker that dropped underneath coverage. I didn't see him. I got tricked. I threw an interception. That's one thing. You can work on that. Throwing a deep out, you know, like that, that's one of those things where, well, okay, I can change that. I don't throw a deep out. <laughs> yeah, no, you, can't can't get it there, you can't get it there. You can only throw it so early, you know. It, was it, it a timing thing? Did he throw it late or was it an arm strength thing is the, is the question? Well, uh, I did see something, and again, I didn't listen to him talk, but I did see someone say he's still working on getting his velocity back. So, now that was that was a big question from a lot of people. Hey, from know, him. like Brock Purdy's got look, we, we, BCB, right? Nobody's had the guts to say that Brock Purdy might not be all the way back until Brock Purdy said it. It's fascinating. Well, that was a, a big thing where people were saying, well, you know, how much of it is the injury? And 
we do definitely have to mention this is a guy that didn't have a true offseason. He didn't have the opportunity like Trey Lance and Sam Darnold to work through some of these things in OTAs. You know, Trey Lance broke his ankle, snapped his ankle in half, had to get some surgery to fix it. And I, and I want to say he had that surgery in like December. But he said out of his own mouth, I will be ready to go for OTAs. I'll be cleared. No restrictions. I'm good to go. That was not the case for Brock Purdy. He had to wait all the way to training camp. And then now he's trying to get some of those kinks out and throw the ball and get that arm up to speed. And I would say that, that my, my, not my issue with that, but he also said, oh, I'm good. I'm ready to go. I make all the throws. We've ramped up. We did these things. Now it's like, uh, well, I'm still kind of trying to get my arm up and, and, and get that velocity back. So uh, that was a big question mark. What does it look like if he doesn't get the velocity back? And I don't want to be someone that harps on training camp interceptions, but I saw him put the ball in harm's way a lot last year. And I thought he got lucky with a lot of drops and he did do some picks and he threw a pick that got called back for holding away from the ball. So there was a concern there for me to where like, you know, Hey man, if, if luck doesn't go quite his way, what does that look like? And now I see in training camp and I, I don't want to put a, a ton of stock in the training camp interceptions, but, when you're doing it consistently and it's happening literally every practice or near interceptions every practice, that is one thing that starts to slightly get alarming because I don't think there's a whole lot of room for error with his skill set. So you, out of all these guys on the roster, Sam, uh, Sam Darnold, Trey Lance, they are naturally, they're physically they're just more gifted than you. But you have some things over them where it's like, hey, this is why I'm going to be better than y'all. And if you're going to be better in those areas, you have to be more efficient. And you can't be someone that's putting the ball in harm's way. So uh, tomorrow, I'm curious to see what does it look like? You're getting the most reps out of everybody. You're getting the opportunity to go with the ones. Obviously, you're going against a Raiders defense, but that's number one. But you're also going against them with your guys. You know, you you got the Debo, you got the IU, you got the Christian McCaffrey, you got your guys. I think Kittle was out today. We'll see if he comes back tomorrow. But, or, while, you know, while people listen to this, which will be today, Friday, what does it look like then? But I will say the, the turnovers, because it was something I was trying to keep an eye on or turnover-worthy throws, it, that is a little concerning, in, in my opinion, for someone who I feel like doesn't have a lot of wiggle room for error. Yeah, it's one of the things he has over Jimmy that makes him a a better fit for the 49ers over Jimmy. Injuries, turnovers. If he starts, to, if he continues to get injured, if he starts turning the ball over more, uh, then he starts to look a lot more like Jimmy Garoppolo. Then he's not an upgrade. Which is interesting. You say that, and we'll probably get to some of the reports. But I talked to my guy Josh Harper. Uh, Josh Harper, Fresno State, great. Number three, all-time leading receiver in Fresno State history in receptions. Number seven, all-time in Fresno State history in yards. But he also spent some time with the Raiders, and he was at practice. His brother is a coach for the 49ers. But he was there, and he said, yeah, you know, he kind of, Jimmy G looked like, you know, this. And he talked about Brock Purdy, and he talked about Trey Lance. So uh, it was interesting to see how he viewed all the guys. All right, next, let's preview this preseason week number one. Which players are we watching? Who has the most to gain against the Raiders Sunday next? Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Love all the everydayers out there. Make sure you are one. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts.
Okay. By the way, Fresno, you said Josh Harper is number three in Fresno State history receiver? And well, he actually wore number three, but yeah, number three all time in receptions. The only guys over him are Keyshawn Johnson. Where's Bernard Berrien on the list? He's lower. He's like eighth or something like that. I looked he, at it. He's like eight. He's gonna be up there in yards. He was more of a big play guy than a than a volume receiver. I think he he was ahead of Bernard Berrien in yards and receptions. Wow. Bernard oh, the Niners could use Bernard Berrien right now, return guy as well. Oh man, listen. I actually lived in Fresno during that time. I went to Sunnyside High School, my freshman year of high school, and uh, moving my dad didn't work out. But anyways, Fresno State, that was the year, 2001. They were the big dogs. They were top 10 in the nation. Derek, uh, David Carr at quarterback, Bernard Berrien, Rodney Wright, like, you know, uh, Dante Marshall on defense. Like, they had some guys back then. Those were fun teams, absolutely. Um, so... Who are you watching for? Obviously, the return game now becomes huge. Deshaun Jameson, Ronnie Bell, big opportunity. Willie Sneed. Uh, I think those guys are all uh, are all definitely players to watch. I'm assuming if there's any Nick at all, and, and if George Kittle was going to play anyway, he's not. He's, you know, he's probably not going to. So I'm going to start with tight end Crocs. So pass catchers are going to be uh, something I'm watching out for. Those guys that could potentially replace Ray Ray McLeod for a few weeks and. How's this tight end group going to look? I know the veterans are going to get first crack at the job, but it's going to be hard to cut the seventh rounder, Braden Willis, because he's out playing the third rounder in Cameron Latu so far in camp. And Cameron Latu is not going to get cut because he's the third round pick, you know? So, how many tight ends do you keep? Do you just go George Kittle with his injury history and two rookies? I don't know about that. So, Dwelly, is it, is the, is the, is the 49ers tight end battle not even so much the rookies against each other? It's actually Dwelly versus Charlie Warner. It might be Dwelly versus Charlie Warner. And I will say, we brought up Cam Latou. This is a guy who, over the last couple of practices, he's starting to have the drop seats. And we saw something in one of the practices, I think you were there with me, where he beat uh, Jair Brown. Jair, yeah, Jair Brown. He beat Jair Brown, and he just flat out dropped it. And I didn't think anything of it at the time, right? Where he just had the guy beat, he's by himself, drops the ball, whatever. Well, since then, it seems to be a re reoccurring theme that Cameron Latou is dropping the ball. He dropped several passes uh, a couple practices ago. And then today on fourth down, and the way it was explained to me, it was really a sweet play by Trey Lance where he dropped back, stepped up, rolled out to his left, threw a perfect easily catchable ball that should have never been dropped to Cam Latou in the back of the end zone and Cameron just dropped it, just flat out dropped it. So these drops are starting to be an issue for him. And you're talking about guys kind of pinning against each other. Is it, you know, is it Dwelly versus Warner? But Brayden Willis, he's the guy right now where you, you, you drafted Latou late in the third round. Okay, so you're assuming, okay, he's going to have a lot of opportunity. I, it feels like Brayton Willis is taking more advantage of his opportunities that he has right now to where, yeah, maybe initially it might be, you know, the 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 uh, Dwelly versus Warner. But, man, I, I think Cam Latou might be hearing those footsteps with Brayton Willis, who is consistently making plays. And, you know, I was there at practices, and I'm watching him. I'm like, man, who's that wide receiver number nine? Well, it's not a wide receiver. It's Brayden Willis. He's a tight end, yeah. but he's a fluid mover, route runner. He's catching the ball. He's doing very well. How does he block? That's something I didn't pay attention to 
talked about things we'll be paying attention to in the preseason game, I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for that. Absolutely. And I, I've heard people say Latou's a better blocker. I didn't necessarily see that in college. He's bigger for sure. And I think he's got potential to be a better blocker, but he was really hit and miss as a, as a blocker. And Braden Willis w- will hit you. Like he's, he's a nasty dude. Uh, he isn't as big though. And he was split out more in college than Latou was. So um, it's going to be interesting. And, and those guys are battling for position. Look, Cameron Latou, if you're the, if the 49ers keep four tight ends and Latou's fourth, he's in street clothes every week, right? He's going to be on the, uh, the Aaron Banks plan as a rookie where he's just a ghost. He's on the roster, but he's not there. And you hope he learns something for a year too. So that's the other part about being tight end four. So there is still some competition because you want to have a rookie season and, and be able to develop on the team and make plays. So tight end is a big one. Um, of course, and actually Rick brings up an interesting point. What if the 49ers, to gain an extra spot on the 53 initially, cut both Dwelly and Warner and try to bring one of them back and just keep both of the rookies and then add the fourth later like we were talking about with wide receivers and Willie Sneed? Yeah, it's, it's a big-time numbers game. And I would assume that they like Dweller or Warner. Here's the thing that we don't know. Do they utilize those guys in different ways? And if so, then it won't be one or the other, right? Like they might not look at it like Dwelly and Warner are the same and we'll just see which one does better and then we'll keep that guy. They might like Warner for a very specific role. And if they like him for yeah. a very specific role, then it might be Dwelly or someone else. And that's a tough thing when you're the veteran because, again, if you're on that roster week one, your contract's guaranteed. A lot of times they like to let that guy go, see if they can bring him back. And if they can bring him back, it's more of a week-to-week contract as opposed to a fully guaranteed contract for the entire season. So that's something to definitely keep an eye on. I don't know exactly what their roles are. In my head, they are completely different tight ends. Warner is more of a blocking guy who, okay, I can catch a pass for you here and there. Dwelly feels like, a little bit more versatile as a pass catcher, but also filled in very well a couple years ago. I want to say 2019 as a fullback when Kyle Juszczyk was out a few mm-hmm. weeks. And you got to see kind of that versatility a little bit at kind of that H-back position and tight end as well. So they might be viewed as like kind of they they fill different roles for the team. Which makes me think that it's more like Warner and Latu are in one bucket and Braden Willis and Ross Dwelly are in another bucket in like the move tight end bucket and so you, if you if it might willis, be those two if willis, it, it might ahead, be willis. if willis is ahead a lot too then that means you cut dwelly keep warner and then you got your move tied in as your number three and then you got your backup in 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 warner who's your your inline guy yeah who else are you looking for sunday against the raiders crock who are you going to be watching who has an opportunity to uh to make a roster for the 49ers Outside of the quarterbacks, I think everybody would be trying to pay attention to the, the quarterbacks, but kind of that, that defensive end battle a little bit. Like, what do some of these guys look like? You got the Kerry Hiders, You got the Cleveland Farrells. We have not talked at all about Kevin Givens, I feel like, throughout this entire offseason. Taco Charlton, you know, what's it going to look like with him and Cleveland Farrell and Austin Bryant, you know? Uh, so I think, like, that edge depth, they're kind of – there's a lot of bodies there. Who's going to be the last two that end up making it? And if we've learned anything from the 49ers and probably the rest of the NFL as well, they will utilize all defensive linemen that they have. So I'm curious to see the rotation of those guys. And when we were at one of the practices together, I talked about paying attention to who is on special teams and where they are. 
Sometimes you'll see some of those big guys that can run running down on kickoff like the Cleveland Pharaohs and those guys. So are they on special teams unit and what group are they in? So uh, that's something I'll definitely be keeping an eye on. And you're right, Croc. Of course, all eyes on the quarterbacks, and we kind of gloss right over that. We don't need to, to rehash that. Everyone's going to be watching the quarterbacks, Trey Lance and Sam Darnold, uh, and Brandon Allen as well. Uh, there's a lot to be determined there. Um, here's a good one from Brash Cat, TDP versus Mason. This is a good one. I, I love Jordan Mason. I love everything I've seen from JP, as they call him, and Ty Davis Price is having a good camp as well. And so I think it'll be a big indicator who comes out first. And they're going to be the two main backs in this one because it's not going to be Elijah Mitchell. And uh, Chris McCaffrey's not going to sniff the field as well. So um, I, I think Jordan Mason might start the game and then TDP comes in next. But this is a battle. Yeah. And they've both had a really good camp. So that's a good one. Well, here's the thing to look at with them. Let's say they both do very well. They look good. They're catching the ball. They're running well. They're running strong. They'll get a lot of touches. And then some of the young guys, we always talk about unrestricted or, uh, you know, free agent, undrafted free agents. You do have some, a couple of young running backs who I think kind of showed up here and there. What kind of impact do they ultimately end up making? Right. Yeah, and the two running backs. A, we might see a ton of Kalen Laburn, right? Like, like three quarters worth of him running the football. And, and Jeremy McNichols as well, if he's up to speed. Well, Labor and Awat. So uh, Awat got cut, I believe. What? I think Awat got cut to sign McNichols. How did I miss that? So McNichols, I don't expect him to. I actually like the way that Awat was looking. Mc, you think McNichols is just a, a preseason grunt to get through preseason? Well, he, yeah. he's more of a receiving back, though, too, so. Maybe that's the angle. They they because Ty Davis Price and Jordan Mason can catch the ball, but that's not their strong suit. Kyle trying to find someone who's better in the passing game, and he didn't like what he saw from Awat. Maybe I know I don't know how I missed the Awat cut, but let's say we're watching Ty Davis Price, we're watching Jordan Mason, and we think it's Ty Davis Price versus Jordan Mason. I think it's Ty Davis Price and and Mason versus Elijah Mitchell, and I love Elijah Mitchell. I love the way he runs the ball. He cannot stay healthy. And they might just look at it like, I mean, do we keep four backs because we just can't trust it? Elijah Mitchell? And I say four backs. That's not even including Kyle Juszczyk. One more rookie that we haven't talked about yet, and, and that's the first pick for the 49ers. Quiet camp. He did have that one interception uh, earlier this week, and that is Jair Brown got to be a gamer right he feels like he is a gamer and he's going to start showing up and picking off passes uh when the real bullets are flying so uh looking forward to seeing what he looks like here in the preseason games ton of the other rookies as well and it's just gonna be so much fun to see how this roster starts to come together uh we've got a a, a big time young talent right on the screen right now if you're watching this on youtube you want to say hi to the world want to say hi hi <laughs> can you give us a subscribe to this video he said, can you say subscribe to the video? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll push the button. <laughs> uh, family man. Crocker the family man. I love it. Uh, fantastic stuff. Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, Trade Mitchell. I don't know about that one, man. Running backs get hurt too much. You got to keep them all. You got to keep them all. Well, that's better than cutting them because that's my – I'm looking at it like, man, if you got – first of all, you got the every the everything guy with Christian McCaffrey, who uh, scored a touchdown today on a screenplay. And it sounded like kind of a scuffle took place shortly after that. But you, you got him. You're good there. And then it's kind of like, all right, you know, you kind of got some of these other guys. And we'll Keep see. So I think, I think Mitchell becomes 
kind of expendable, depending on how these guys look in the preseason. And it's just preseason. Yeah. We know what Elijah Mitchell looks like in the regular season. He averaged six yards per carry last year. But he just can't stay on the field. He only played – it, it was mind-boggling when I saw that. He only played five games last year. So, yeah, but trade him. That's five games is better than zero with the attrition at running back. Keep them all. Keep all four of them. Keep another one on the practice squad. Uh, that that's the way I would I would do it. Unless you can get a lot in trade and, and you know for a banged up guy, I'm not sure if you'd be able to. But anyway, uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. The preseason 49ers Raiders. Croc and I will talk to you post game right here. Locked on 49ers. <laughs> 